Welcome to Take Note. This is a podcast about keeping a notebook and paying attention. I am here with my buddy Ted. Ted, what did you do today? I coached a bunch of little leaguers, which means I screamed uh, very strategically and pointedly at the third baseman quite a bit, uh, and the pitcher and the first baseman. I found that if I if I pick the key critical positions and just scream only at them, that produces results. Don't need to <laughs> scream at the left fielder. Uh, that'll sc- take care of itself. I want to scream pointedly. It would be really fun to be able to just scream pointedly. Well, I suggest little league coaching in that case. What did you do today, Adam? Um, you know, I kept uh, seeing dogs that I thought only had three legs but actually had four legs because <laughs> yesterday I saw a dog that had three legs. That was That's basically how I spent that, my day. That painted the, painted the species for you in your mind? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, moving forward, it, it's kind of funny because if you a, a three legged dog is kind of an inspiration, and mm-hmm. so, but then when you think it's a three legged dog, but it's not mm-hmm. a three legged dog, the recalibrating, the almost the disappointment that the dog has all of its legs is a funny feeling. It's uh, like a deflation rather than an inspiration. That's right. Yes. Oh, all four of them, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Carry and on. Good, good first spot. Uh, <laughs> so on this show. We we talk about uh, what we've written in our notebook. That's how we start the show. So, Ted, what do you got? Okay, I'm going to paint a little scene here. Um, this is in my uh, craft field notes, my craft ruled field notes that I've been kind of moving slowly through for reasons we may discuss uh, later in the show. Um, but this this little scene was when I walked into the uh, the dry cleaner. So okay. The little, the little sandy-haired shoe repairman was over at the dry cleaners in his apron. He wanted to know from the AT&T repairman uh, who was at the dry cleaner working if they planned on horsing around with the telephone service at his place of business a few doors down. 2438, he said to the repairman in the hard hat and the sagging dark navy cargo pants. Uh, this is the address of his business and also the numerical address of one of my childhood homes. The coincidence freezes me in observation as I try to work out if there's some magic in play. <laughs> the shoe repairman is describing just which services he would prefer remain uninterrupted uh, down to what seemed like the serial number. Uh Nah, says the telephone repairman. I'm not messing with any of that stuff. It's working great, says the shoe repairman. Uh, They have been this whole time talking from within the hub of operations of a neighborhood dry cleaner that does most of the cleaning on premises. Fiber's the way to go, said the phone guy, and the shoe guy nodded and headed out the back way, satisfied with the answer he got. Back to his land of shoes and away from this land of clothes. During my time in retail, I did always enjoy wearing an apron. You got yourself yourself a little play there. It really, it unfolded in front of me. Uh, I I knew the shoe repairman from past experience to be a grouch, which added a little bit of, a little bit of flavor. Um... Yeah, what do you got, Adam? Is the shoe repairman's place of business the dry cleaner? Like, does he have a section of the dry cleaner where... No, he's like two doors down. It's like a okay. shopping center. I see. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, I, 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 I love the idea that he saw the AT&T van outside or <laughs> somehow got a whiff that, that doings were afoot and he made his way into to the dry cleaner and somehow gained entrance. Maybe they're they're trusting neighbors, but uh, he was just he was just in it to make sure nobody missed with his telephone. It was working great. I look yeah. the idea that he's gonna stop it. You know that he's yeah. he's gonna stop whole 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 just knock someone's shovel out of their hand right before they dig out the first <laughs> chunk of dirt. <laughs> All right. Um, well. So I've I've got a list here, and but a little background on this list. Sometimes I find that I I will hear some words or some dialogue or a phrase in the back of my head that I don't really think that I've put there. Um, you know, just something rumbling around, and I hear it. And and sometimes it's really easy to kind of just jot these things down, these little phrases. Lately, I've been trying to hear them again and jot them down, and it's harder. I feel like I'm trying too hard. I feel like I'm meditating too hard. But there's one phrase that that's in my notebook a few times early, early in this notebook before what I'm about to read to you. And that phrase is incredible piece of software. That's just was <laughs> just in my head for some reason, and I wrote it down in my notebook, and I came back to it a few times. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And this, this is what I ended up doing with it. Incredible piece of software. Incredible piece of lint. Incredible piece of mind. Incredible piece of cake. Incredible piece of ass. Incredible piece of art. Incredible piece of work. Incredible piece of pizza. Incredible piece of trash. Incredible piece of shit. Incredible piece of paper. Incredible piece of my heart. Incredible piece of news. Incredible piece of the pie. What do you got, Ted? That's, that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Incredible piece of software. Mm-hmm. I'm reading uh, Hallucinations by Oliver Sacks, which is a fairly straightforward description of a series of human phenomena that involve hallucinating. Many of them are oral okay. hallucinations. Really, which uh, rest assured, they're quite common. Yeah, I. It's an it's an uh, it's an incredible piece of writing. <laughs> incredible piece of writing. I. Uh... No, it's actually it's not his best, but it's it's interesting. You know, I used to kind of be worried about it, and and I also used to associate it with listening to way too many podcasts. But I don't. Know, maybe a year ago, I saw a, a interview with a writer who. Uh, said that he experienced the same thing and that it was somewhat common and so then i considered it almost like a superpower that i just haven't been able to hone Mm. for anything (laughs) that useful uh is it when you're drowsy by chance a lot of times when i'm drowsy yeah yeah oh that's very common i'm in that chapter right now oh cool i'll have to read that book that's not incredible what do you got (laughs) Uh, now this is a little more open-ended. This, these are just a few notes I jotted down. Um, I, uh, uh, Larry McMurtry passed away recently. And so I found myself doing, doing a good bit of kind of just poking around online, um, around his name and his work and, and seeing where it goes. But, uh, 
uh, I, I found out about a character, a person who, he's not a character, he's a human, real, real person, who is a character, who, uh, who, was, who I d- didn't know anything about and I was sort of shocked by, but his name uh, is Bill Whitliffe. He's a Texan, um, but he, uh, so the, the reason his name emerged is he was the screenwriter for Lonesome Dove, which of course is Larry McMurtry's best-known novel and became a, you know, mega-famous miniseries. But this guy, Bill Whitliffe, uh, screenwrote that, which of course the writing is fantastic and it stars Tommy Lee Jones and, and uh, Angelica Houston and of course... The unforgettable, incredible uh, actor, Robert Duvall. There we go. Found it. Okay. Um, so Bill Whitliffe wrote that. A little more research uncovers the fact that Bill Whitliffe was the first uh, was a, the first publisher. He had a publishing house earlier in his career. was the first one to publish Larry McMurtry's book of essays called In a Narrow Grave, which oh. I had just finished reading. Uh, so not only was Whitliffe the screenwriter for Lonesome Dove, he published this book that I just finished and utterly enjoyed, Essays About Texas by McMurtry, written in 1968. Um, in screenwriting Lonesome Dove, Bill Whitliffe became excellent friends with Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, and Tommy Lee Jones took to bursting into Bill Whitliffe's office every time he drove through Austin uh, to demand that they go out and get a barbecue lunch together. Uh, that's how much Tommy Lee Jones loved this guy. Um, Bill Whitliffe was friends with John Graves, who, uh, if you like essay writing, I suggest you seek out John Graves. He was a uh, he was an essay writer about Texas whose work is uh, amazing up there with Edward Hoagland, I would say. If you've read any Edward Hoagland, it's kind of a Texas version of that, but... Uh, I've read Goodbye no Graves. To a river. I've read no Hoagland. I've read no McMurtry. So go ahead, recommend. All right, you got some work to do. Yeah. Um, it turns out that Bill Whitliffe is also the screenwriter of uh, The Perfect Storm, huh. starring George Clooney, which a Texan uh, being the screenwriter for a New Englander <laughs> uh, yeah. fishing movie came out of nowhere. Um, he also published a book of, he published numerous books of photography, uh, but he published one book of photography uh, that was pictures, photographs of uh, uh, ladies of the night and, and, and burlesque dancers in Mexico, just south of the border of Texas that were taken by like street photographers uh, who would snap a photo, you know, in the late 1800s, snap a photo with someone who, you know, a carouser, a tourist would, would snap these photos. And Bill Whitliffe found reel after reel after reel of these photographs and found them to be very beautiful wow. and brought them back to Texas and sort of lovingly and painstakingly restored a number of them and, and published a book of this photography. Um, and, and, uh, and then, and this is maybe the last little note, I was just so pleased to learn about his, his varied um, life. Uh, he started an archive of Southwestern writers uh, 
uh, not just writing, but ephemera and, you know, collections of things and, and objects. But now that archive, archive lives at Texas State University, which is in San Marcos, Texas, which we just recently visited on a uh, on a trip out to the hill country. But there's an archive there where you can, um, you know, find the collections of papers, and I can't do it justice. I haven't memorized it. But part of what's in the archive is the prop that was used as Robert Duvall's corpse that Tommy Lee Jones' character had to drag back home to Texas uh, from Montana in the latter part of the miniseries. That's in the archive. But this this guy Whitliffe was just a, you know, I, I talked last week about um, the idea of collecting things and, and, you know, keeping notebooks and stuff. It's this collecting impulse and that he, this guy Whitliffe just did so much with that impulse and met so many people and, and made so many strong connections. I'd never heard of him, never heard of him until um, after Larry McMahon. He's, he's been, he died maybe five years ago or something, but um, it was just a pleasure to learn about him and then to see the kind of uh, different universe he lived in. I'll leave you with the anecdote that Tommy Lee Jones gave to some obituary writer um, about Bill Whitliffe. He said, um, you know, for all the stuff that he did in his life, um, the thing that impressed Tommy Lee Jones the most is he, he took him, Bill Whitliffe took him fly fishing and taught him about fly fishing, which started a, a passion of Tommy Lee Jones about fly fishing. But he said, you know, Bill, at one point, uh, his son got hungry and he asked him if he wanted a peanut butter sandwich. And I've never seen anybody put so much care and attention into a peanut butter sandwich as Bill Whitliffe uh, put into that sandwich for his son <laughs> while we were out there on the on the river fly fishing. And that really stayed with me. Um, which is what I've, that's all I've got for my, what, what do you got? It's just a bunch of scribbled bullet points that I've raced through here. I love it. I'm stuck um, on the corpse, though. You, you know, the I mean, great collectors I agree. don't, to me, yeah. you know, strike me as also great people people. I call them people people. You had hinted at the fact that maybe we would talk about the fact that you're slowly going through a craft field notes, um, yeah. maybe more slow going than usual as uh, what I think I heard. I am using, yeah. I am using the craft lined. Well, it's the 2021 tournament of books edition. It's got a rooster on it, but it's lined. It's a, it's a craft edition. I'm loving it. I'm going through mine a little more quickly than usual, and I am using. I'm writing with a V5 high tech point point five pure liquid ink. It's a pilot pen that uh, I, I just. It was in the pen drawer. I didn't even know where it came from. I pulled it out, and I've been uh, to do it for the last, I don't know, two weeks or so. One week or so. Nice. So you're... Getting some flow going. Yeah, I've got good flow going. You're, you're slow going? Is that... It's, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going pretty slow in this book. I'm, I would say um, I've almo- I, I have diversified my notebook use, and I... I over the years, we've probably swung back and forth between wanting to write everything in one book and having sp- special purposes, um, you know, having different notebooks for particular purposes. I'm in a, I'm in a specialized mode right now. 
Um, I have my longer form um, journal that I've kept pretty well that I enjoy. I get out the fancy fountain pen and it's a big, you know, thin leafed, um, the seven C's. So I kind of reserve like more long form um, reflection and journal, journal writing and stuff for that. So that, that doesn't occupy any space in my, in my pocket notebook. And I've just recently started up um, one of these Leeds of London. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but it's an, it's a narrow book with a nice kind of fancy cover and the pen inserted into the uh, spine. That's I've let's turned that travel in, journal, right? The travel journal. I've turned that into a, I guess a commonplace book. I, I don't remember what you call it when you just do quotes from other people. Nice. Yeah. Um, book. Yeah. So I've, I've, yeah, I've started using that for that, so that doesn't take up real estate in my pocket notebook. So the the result is just moving a little slow through the pocket notebook, sometimes not even knowing what to put in the pocket notebook, um, which I know is somewhat blasphemous. Um, but uh, yeah, it is. It's causing it to to uh, causing me to take a while uh, to get through it, which. You know, you know me, I don't like to sit in one notebook for too long. I get itchy. Yeah. Well, what I've been doing, I don't even know. I, th- I mean, I think really I've just gotten into a good kind of habit by using it a lot of using it even more. Um, but I, I did this thing that I know I've talked about on the show a few times, came from a suggestion that Billy Collins made um, where you just write bullet points with really short, sentences about what you did today and he said he even says say i did this i did this so i find myself doing that a little bit and i see that that's how i started my notebook and then as i mentioned before i mean i'm just trying to even if i'm capturing some of those words in the back of my head i've been trying to do that Mm -hmm. and then trying to i've been doing some of the jeff tweedy um some of the tweety like writing things the different verbs and the different nouns and trying to turn mm-hmm. it into something um but yeah and and then <laughs> you know writing pieces of things but um i've i find for whatever reason lately that you know absolutely everything is in there and i'm grabbing my pen and my notebook more so than usual and i think you know if i had to guess just looking at this notebook from the very first page doing that thing today and then I did such and such and and Collins recommends that you write 20 of them because little bullet points because he thinks that like he says like uh, you know number three and number 17 might have some link and that might turn into a poem and uh so am I to read into this I mean you you've read one poem on the podcast already but I feel like you're your gravity is is being pulled towards poetry as kind of feeling like that needs to be some sort of yep endpoint for yeah. you or something. I've written another one too where I based on the Tweety thing, but yeah, I'm trying to just like we talked about last week. Uh, the uh, I th- the idea that maybe you could sit down once a day and do something like that and see where something is. And you know, it's funny. It's not even. It's not even to have a poem when you're done, but it's more to have mm-hmm. done the thing and played with the words and written written something yeah. down. It's really not about, like, the, in no ways am I happy with the results of any of it. That list that I read 
you know, that's maybe kind of a poem. In fact, it's kind of something, you know, inspired by John Ashbery, who's the guy that confounds me and confuses me, but obsesses me. Um, but that's not really, in a way, it's not about what's, what's there at the end. It's just about like yeah. playing with it in the notebook. I think uh, I, 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 I just think that creativity and the creative impulse is the last vestige of, I don't know, just the mystery, um, of, of keeping your brain happy and interested in life around you. And I've, I've so enjoyed our conversations and talking to Tim about creativity and the creative, uh, the creative spark. And just, I love that you're using your notebook just as a playground for that. And they're, you know, just letting yourself go for just for the sake of doing it. Um, just for the sake of doing it. I think that's fantastic. And, you know, I think <laughs> there's obviously no, uh, secret to making it work, but I think one of the things that I've felt over the last few notebooks is the line notebook, which I know you have, you really only use a line notebook. Mm -hmm. Um, but my last few have been that way. And I, it's like the lines are, uh, a pathway or something. I do find myself writing more in a line notebook. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, um, you know, this, this feeling I obviously have about not writing as much in my notebook. Firstly, I don't know if it's entirely accurate as I flip through and I've, I've written some pretty long passages. I went on a, a week long camping trip with a buddy recently and I, I did, I, you know, I put down probably 10 pages of small handwritten notes. So I'm, I'm in a way I'm giving myself a short shrift, but I think, you know, I think too, I've, I've, I hit the barrier where I started uh, thinking too much about uh, what would, what the content of a particular journal entry or sort of, uh, you know, writing something down session would be, which I think then inherently when you're short of time and you don't, you don't finish the idea that you had in your mind when you started, you know, let's say it's, oh, I want to, I want to write some pages about this hike, but I want to do it beginning to end. Now, if you get interrupted halfway through and you don't write out kind of the what you perceive as the end, I think it leads to this kind of sense of frustration. Yeah. Um, because you, th- you, you wanted to get that out, but you didn't have a chance and you got distracted and you moved on and you never went back to it. And uh, so I'm finding myself a little bit in that trap of letting that stop me before I even start which I think is in part why I love what you're doing, which is not to have that idea in mind before you just start letting the sort of creative part of it flow. Um, so I, I, I'm getting in my own head a little, um, particularly, you know, I, particularly with the long form notebooks. So that means, you know, I'm not putting down long writing at the end of the day. Uh, and it's a little frustrating because I know how satisfying I feel when I do that. It's it's interesting. I think you can get really lucky just with a new notebook if it if you start messy or something, or you know even if it's not a new notebook, but if you're just if you'll make a big, you know if you'll just fill it with garbage a little bit, you find you you end up getting. Yep. lucky in that there's nothing special about it and the 
I don't know, the garbage. Uh, the literally just trying to find the words in the back of your head when you're sleepy. Like, it's literally nothing. I mean, if I, last week I was going to talk about how there was just garbage in my notebook. Um, and uh, and this week, you know, it's, uh, it's I love it. It's still garbage. It's still it's nothing. Incredible. But it's like, there's, it's there's just a ton of it while I'm, yeah. It's just the whole thing. The more you use your notebook, the more you use your notebook. It's all incredible. Let's do this again next week, Adam. What do you Sounds say about good. Check us out on the internet at takenote.space. You'll find lots of uh, episodes and blog posts there. We're on Twitter at twitter.com slash takenotepod. Take care.